Welcome to another episode of Arthritic Bourbon Bikers, and got a couple of guys who are just tired today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yesterday you rode 56? 57.2. 57.2 miles, and today I rode 38.5. And um, it's early in the season, it's yep. fair to say. So that was a big jump for both so of us. We went from about that 20-ish, 25, whatever, somewhere in their mile mark out to, to really roll in some more miles. Now, in fairness, most of the miles I rode today were mostly flat on the trail, on the MKT trail, on the Katy Trail. And you said your stuff yesterday was pretty flat as Entirely well. Entirely on the trail, yeah. Yeah. So we're just trying to get saddle time in, which is uh, important when you're doing touring. Yeah. So you had an idea of a topic for a video or a podcast today, and you wanted to talk about what? Well, does COVID-19, the pandemic, uh, affect your riding? If so, how? As I'm sure most people are going to say it, it absolutely does. <clears throat> Here and around the world, we're reading stories. You were telling me that... In some places, was it France? No, somewhere there. Yeah, recently in France, I think it was maybe even today, maybe yesterday, I can't remember exactly when the story was, but I have some friends in France who were commenting about <clears throat> that there was a new rule kind of announced that anyone who was out exercising or, um, they were specifically talking about running, but it, it went for reading the article, it appeared it was more specifically about exercise between like 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. was going to be uh, excluded. You weren't going to be allowed to exercise during those times. I guess what was happening was is that a lot of the population was out exercising during that block, that same time, and there were just a ton of people <laughs> out and crowded, and they're trying to keep crowds, keep social distancing and all that stuff. Now, what they were saying is that anyone could exercise before that time or after that time, Without issue, it was just that during those kind of peak hours, they were trying to minimize it. So it's an interesting thing to think about. Certainly, we're in Missouri, and here we've seen social distancing orders kind of go out. Businesses are ordered to be closed unless they're considered quote-unquote essential, mm -hmm. which, by the way, includes the liquor stores. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny, but at the same time, probably true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we see a lot of things are still open. Convenience stores, gas stations, mechanic shops, even bike repair shops. The repair shop portion of them are open. Um, obviously, grocery stores and things like that, liquor stores. Lots of stuff still open. The things that are really closed, though, are things like we're large groups of people, and they're still trying to limit those groups of people. So now at our grocery stores, they're even saying less than 50 people in the store at a time. Everybody kind of keeping their pace. One-way aisles. Yeah, my wife was telling me today, one-way aisles. When you go to the grocery store, there are one-way aisles to try to keep people from passing, things like that. So when we think about how that affects cycling, what kind of things are you seeing? Well, <clears throat> it's really, I thought about this a bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think it affects your decision, assuming that you're not under some local you know, regulation that says, hey, stay in your house completely, which is kind of really kind of silly, not in the spirit of most of these things, but... I think it affects where you go, like where are you gonna to ride today and how, how far? <clears throat> because for me, my typical ride on the trail is you know, whether I leave from the house and go about you know, 30, 40 miles, or if I take the bike on the car and I go somewhere, I go a certain route, that's usually assuming <clears throat> that I have places to go, stop and get something to drink, something to eat, 
or uh, just refill my water bottles. And so I have found um, some of the trailheads uh, have been open, some have not, so there's no water at some of them. And I think if this would have been last year, I think it would all be open and the plumbing sort of on. And I think COVID-19 has affected that. Yeah, I agree. I've seen there are <clears throat> limited access to things where we can get food. We used to be able to stop at restaurants or, or places that had food that are now closed up. Some of them have the ability to get food and they'll do carry, kind of carry out to you, but it is limited. And water has been harder to come by. So for instance, today when I rode, I actually changed up my setup to be able to take more water. I took a couple extra uh, things of water, an algae bottle full of water, so that I could refill uh, hydration as the day went on. We had a very nice warm day here. It was almost 80 degrees, if not 80 degrees. Sun came out finally and just absolutely gorgeous. And so today was one of those days where you needed to hydrate. And I took some food along because I knew that, snacks along, because I knew there wouldn't be a lot of uh, options, especially on the trail. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely affected it. I've, I've noticed um, if you're out and you're riding city streets or areas around, things like the side streets are way more empty than they have been. A whole lot less vehicle traffic, a whole lot less people out just walking too. I've not seen as many people in the town area walking the streets or walking the sidewalks and things. Now when you get to the trails, we still see some people, but I would say the numbers are still down. By comparison today, which historically with a day like today, the MKT trail would have been packed. For those who don't know, the MKT is a trail that runs through the middle of Columbia, Missouri and will connect you out to the Katy Trail, but it's a highly used trail section for this city. Um, and it's usually, I mean, and we've talked about it, we even hate riding on it sometimes because there's so many people, so many bicycles. Today, I only saw maybe a, a dozen bicycles out really? on the trail while I was riding. Now, that was between, I got back here around 2-ish or 2.30 p.m., so I was kind of at what I thought would be a peak time, between 10 and 2. Now maybe some people are still working, but I know a lot of people are not working right now. There were several people walking, but all of them were keeping distance and doing the kind of the appropriate thing for the most part. Um, See any masks? I saw a couple masks. Saw some masks, saw some bandanas, mm -hmm. some people wearing bandanas and such. And so, you know, it seemed like people were keeping their distance. Yeah. And it's been interesting watching people now who um, now that they're having to kind of stay in and maybe, they've, maybe they're not working and have lost their jobs or maybe they're working from home now. Watching people who are making a more concerted effort to leave the house yeah. and take a walk or something mm -hmm. just to get out of the house for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I think that we're finding a real interesting mix. Like, you know, some of the regular users aren't there, but I think in the neighborhoods, more people are out. People have like, it's like they woke up from a fog. Oh. I can take a walk. Yeah. And, and uh, I've, 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 I've been good. I'm glad to see that here. Yeah. But the trail, I've seen it both ways. I've seen it recently with a little more traffic than I thought, but then totally dead. I was out kind of early today. Um, was it know. dead? Yeah, for the most part. I saw a few folks, but um, there wasn't much going on. Uh, it would have been nicer to ride now when the, when the weather's so nice, but you know, I had 
one of the things I like to do, I had a, I had a, a work phone call to make. It took about two hours, so I just threw the phone on the on the on the bike and and I just rode and muted it. And uh, I'll have those every couple of weeks for a while. And I think I'm just going to do that. I think that's um, since we're not meeting in person anymore, that's a perfect way to do it. But I don't know how many people have that kind of luxury, you know. So, do you think that this is going to impact or has impact? impacted the number of people out, or you think that it's just changed the way people are getting up? I think it's changed <clears throat> what they do and when and where. But I, I think as we go on, if this really has a prolonged effect, I'm gonna postulate, I think people are gonna get more active, as long as, my fear is we get some silly draconian restrictions. You know, uh, like it would be so damaging to the health of the overall community if if they were to close all the parks and trails. They've, they've made some restrictions on parks as people would congregate and still play their, play their close contact soccer games. But you, know, you have to let people get out, you know? Um, and that's what I, I'm sort of hoping happens, that they just continue to let us do our thing, make people kind of be, be smart about it. But I think you'll see some, some consistent, smart usage of the parks and trails. We're blessed in Columbia to have these things, but. I'd be devastated if they closed it off. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> I was out today riding, and I was thinking that, you know, what a, what a fantastic system we have here to have so many trails and access to things like the Katy Trail right now because, um, man, it's really just nice having something like that in your back door. I've been doing some riding on the highways and the streets, sort of doing some some local, buy, more like park trails, I would call them, lately. But as we said, you know, it's really hard to get miles, like lots of miles. If you're trying to ride 50 miles or whatever, that's pretty hard on uh, local park trails and riding around a small town like what we have. Yeah. Small by comparison to some big cities I know. So it's interesting. I noticed that, you know, for our area, overall I would say we're, we're relatively flat on the curve as far as the number of cases we're seeing of this pandemic and then also the number of hospitalizations and deaths that we've seen is lower than what major metropolitan areas are seeing. We don't have the problems here of having to worry as much about mass transit and things like that or even people living on top of each other. While we have some apartment complexes and long-term care facilities obviously and some things like that, the majority of people are living in single-family homes around here. So I think that probably helps us a little bit. And, you know, I, I was looking at the statistics today. And again, this is not, this is not going to be political. This is not directed politically in any way. I just think it's interesting to look at what the stats of the number of deaths are. So we just crossed over the 10,000 death mark. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought it would be worse. I did too. Yeah. So the projections now, depending on who you talk to or listen to, but on average, the folks who, who are kind of being more, I would say, less political and more just data-driven, the numbers look like the projections by the end of August are somewhere around 80,000 deaths. And that's, that's lower than I really anticipated, honestly, for a country of our size and the amount of uh, freedoms we like to maintain. Sure, yeah. I'm gonna, 
and again, I don't, I don't want to get embroiled in a, in a political quagmire, but I, I'm going to come away from this being critical of our system and of our, of our uh, probably state and federal government a little bit because <clears throat> I don't believe the numbers because we're just not doing enough testing. Again, we're in healthcare, so we, we have a little bit of inside information, and um, I still don't think we have accurate data. We're just not testing enough. We didn't have... Granted, it was a new infection. We didn't have enough access to those things. But now that we do, <clears throat> we haven't really implemented that into a protocol that says these are the people we test in all scenarios. It's different here than it is in Ohio, than it is in Arizona. And if you really want to know how many people are being infected, you need to test the, the, the same groups of people. And I don't think we are. So I'm going to be skeptical. When the data at the end of this, I'm going to be skeptical of the the integrity of the data. Yeah, the, the data is going to be inaccurate, and there's no way to measure the number of people who had it before mm -hmm. the, the tests became available. There mm -hmm. are a lot of people who believe that this has been circulating earlier than we thought mm -hmm. in the U.S., <clears throat> and that's quite possible. The only way we would ever know is if everyone got some sort of an antibody test mm -hmm. post yeah. post up of all this pandemic. If everybody started to go and get a test just to see who had had it and who hadn't. And I don't see that happening. Yeah. No one will absorb that cost or no one has the, I, you know, I'm one of those. I don't I have zero care in the world about whether I've had it or haven't had it mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah. I do feel like that it's probably going to be one of those things that a lot of people are going to get eventually. Yeah. yeah. It's very contagious apparently. And so, yeah. Well, you know, the effects I'm seeing are, are uh, certainly economic. I mean, I, and, and, and in the context of bicycling, we just talk about this. The things you normally do this time of year when you <clears throat> take some time and go for a ride for a couple hours or so, you intersect so many businesses and they're just zero, abandoned right now. Yeah. And it makes me, it just makes me concerned. And I understand the necessity, but it just makes me concerned about after this, how many of those are going to be open again? And how many people are going to have the long-term effects? Yeah, I think that, employment. I think it's going to go for a long period of time. And I'm, I'm afraid that a lot of those businesses won't reopen or can't reopen. Yeah. Um, we've even talked about a little bit about the, you know, there there is this stimulus and this SBA program for small businesses. But the thing is, unless you meet specific criteria, that's not just going to be forgiven. It's not just free money yeah. unless you meet the specific criteria. Mm -hmm. So that's not, that's not the savior of everything. Um, and anytime you get in bed with the federal government, it's like being in bed with the mob a little bit, like we talked about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get some jokes out of that, but... <laughs> yeah. But, man... Who do you take, want to owe your favors to? Right. I, <laughs> I think I'd rather take my risk somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I think we're going to see some, some downturn, for sure, in all of this. And this can't... I guess you, you have to reach a point where this can't continue on. Like, businesses have got to go back mm -hmm. to functioning at some point. And... The big question everyone has is when? When is that point? Is like when do we reach that point? And when for each area, which region of the yeah. country? You know, I mean, right now New York is still in the throes, man. You know, yeah. Um, and you know, we talked a little bit about just before we sat down here about at what point do a large number of us start getting uncomfortable with our civil liberties being encroached upon? And again, not not making any statements about where that line is, but there is a line, and each person might have a different line. And when do you start being uncomfortable? Saying, hey, you can't go here, you can't do this, you can't work. 
It's a, these are difficult decisions. This country in America was founded by a bunch of people who were revolutionists yeah, yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And that spirit certainly lives strongly in a large portion of America still. Mm -hmm. People are just not going to pay attention. They just won't listen. Um, good, bad, or otherwise, I think you can only contain them for a certain period of yeah. time yeah. until people are going to be like, hey, you know what? I got to go back to work. I have a family to feed, whatever it is. Um, yeah, these restrictions will go away. Now, the, there's a question out there. Of course, you kind of tap into your knowledge a little bit, but um, is about the folks who do get this virus. What's the future after that? Is there immunity as you understand it? You know, I haven't followed that too closely because I, I just think it's too early to know. As we talked about, the data we're going to get is going to be shaky. So I personally think we're going to find that there's going to be a pretty high degree of immunity after infection. Um, but I think the penetrance is not as high as we were fearing, which is good. Um, and so every time this comes around, you know, there's going to be a greater degree of herd immunity, I think, um, which will be, you know, aided by the ultimate development of a, of a vaccine. But that's, that's a ways off, you know. Best case scenarios that I've heard is 12 months, um, with the realistically being um, 16 to 18 months. Probably a couple generations of vaccines, too. You know, they kind of refine those things. And so, yeah, in fact, uh, if anyone's been found following kind of the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, one of the things that they're doing right now is, is he's pledged to build seven different vaccine factories. And those factories will each be available to produce seven different vaccines, if need be. Yeah. And I don't know where the seven number comes from. He's big into the philanthropy of yeah. vaccine and virus stuff. But the idea being that there will be seven different factories producing seven different vaccines to see what the outcome through trials is so that when one is found, there's a factory already up producing it. Already, yeah. And the other six will be retooled or whatever to, do, to then be produce the finished yeah. component. But I think he said it best. He said at this time, he's like, yeah, six of those, there'll be a few billion dollars lost. Easy for him to say, by the way. <laughs> there will be a few billion dollars lost but the economic savings overall will be huge because of the trillions of dollars that could be saved in the, in the economy. <clears throat> Interesting to see a private organization like that kind of leading the charge. Yeah. But really good to see, too, that private industry is taking it seriously and it's not just the government. We're not just relying on the government. Yeah, and they sort of, as long as they do it the right way, they can, they can work around some of the red tape. You know, yeah. if something comes from NIH funding... National Institute of Health, uh, then, you know, there's some, there's some uh, protocols and things that have to be followed. And they, they follow protocols. It's just that, you know, it, it, I think it can be faster in some situations, you know, because it's not as much of a requirement to do A, B, and C yeah. for that. So. But I think long term, what this means for folks who want to get out and cycle is, is that you need to get out and ride. Um, I think health-wise, jump in if you think I'm wrong, but I think the risk is relatively small, like really, really small, because you're out in the open air, even if it's an aerosol-style virus, I think the, the percentage likelihood of someone ingesting it outright in their bicycle is very small. I think if you can stay in areas that are 
obviously less populated, that's helpful, but most of us, where we like to ride, we don't want to ride around a bunch of people anyway. Yeah, it's <laughs> not as fun, you know, it's, it's like nothing but obstacles. I think uh, the only, probably the downside that we'll see in the short term is that a lot of campgrounds are closed. Yeah. There's no mm -hmm. places to really stay. Um, mm -hmm. I think you want to minimize hotel stuff if you can, probably. It'd be better to stay in the outdoors, so I think that um, anyone who's out there and is interested in in, in sort of wild camping or finding, you know, locations that are a little bit off the beaten path, this is a great time to play and practice around with that. Get out your, your tents and your hammocks and your places and try to duck in somewhere and, and, you know, camp somewhere off and take as much of your own food. I think when you talk about touring, you're definitely going to need to take more water and more food because you're going to have limited access. Yep. Yeah, that's something I think we will see. In the short term, certainly grocery stores are even limiting access to 50 people at a time. So it's not that you couldn't go to a grocery store and go in and buy food, but just get a plan for possible delays. Um, well, and some places are just closed. Little towns I've seen along the trail, um, their, their commerce is gone. Like not just the restaurants and stuff, but the little grocery stores have, uh, have begun to disappear. And yeah. so a place you may have counted on before for buying a sandwich, even because the big grocery stores are open. Yeah. But if you were counting on this little tiny market along this rail trail to be open, don't count on it. Uh, you need to see if you can find out beforehand because they're probably not open at all. And I think the other thing in the short term that everyone's going to have to sort of be aware of is that there's some interstate travel that's kind of has some limitations on it right now. And so some of these states are saying that if you come out of another state into a new state, it's a 14-day quarantine. Well, those of us in the bicycle world know that's never going to happen. So it might require you to really dig in on places you can cycle in your local area and uh, try to take advantage of those. It's a great time to, to tweak your gear, to test yeah. all those things that you've never tested before or that you wanted to test. Even if it's something like take a ride in the rain mm -hmm. and test out that rain gear that maybe you never had an opportunity to uh, before you're in a position where you have to have it. Yeah, or the integrity of your bags. Yeah, test Throw the bags. Throw a dry shirt in there, see if it's still dry when you get back. <laughs> it's a great time to play around with tweaking your gear, getting your setup right, and then just training. Because this will pass, and the restrictions will eventually be lifted, and you want to be in, you know, ready to ride when you get that. Yeah, to that when point. you get the window of opportunity. Yeah, you want to, you want to be ramping up then, so that when the end of the summer, whenever, and you're heading back to the old, old way of doing things, you've not had your chance to take the long camping trip or whatever. Yeah, so I think that anything you can do to get out there and put some miles in, now's a great time to put miles in. If the weather's nice, and we've had a, a nice little stint here, I think it's going to cool back down next week. But right now, we've had a great, you know, batch of weather to do some ride again over this week, anyway. So the last last thing we <clears throat> last video we did, and last podcast, you asked me a couple questions, and I I kind of wanted to think about those a little bit more and ask you as well. Now you may not have had enough time on the Surly yet to know, but <clears throat> I'd like to see if there's. Uh, one thing in your setup that you think you might want to change and one that's far better than you expected. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, I would say something that's better than I expected that I, or that I wound up liking more than I... Well, there's a couple of things, actually. One is the three-inch tires. Yeah. 
that's what came with the with the ECR, the Nard three three inch tires, twenty nine by threes. And I really had zero experience with a three inch tire, but after riding it now, and I was telling you this earlier today, since I was riding mainly hard pack and and pavement, limestone hard pack, and it's dry. I pumped the tires up to 22 pounds. I'd been running them about 15-ish, which are really nice and kind of squishy. Mm -hmm. Today I went up to 22, which is a little bit firmer, got you know, a little bit uh, less drag on the pedal when pedaling. But I really have liked those better than I thought I would. Yeah. I was at first concerned that they would that they would just feel sluggish, but they really don't. And they've got just enough. And I was thinking about it today while I was riding, actually. So it's a good question. What I like about them is that they inspire a ton of confidence when you're riding. <laughs> yeah. So when you've got that much tire, you don't worry about a turn, a curve. Yeah. You don't worry about rocks, loose rock. You just, you just, you have a ton of confidence with those tires. You just on. doze over it. You just boil over everything or go around any <laughs> curve you want. Yeah. Um, I even noticed that um, I've really, I really like the balance of the whole thing. It's kind of a silly thing to say, but. On this bike, I can easily ride with no hands mm -hmm. and just pedal along. The balance is really good as far as having that. I think part of it's the tires. The wide tires makes it just track really well and easily track. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that's something I like. I've been also been really happy since I switched out the handlebars. Yeah, um, okay. That two and a half inch rise, Jones bar, has been really good. Um, if there was anything I wish that it had, I wish I had... A few more hand positions. I'm not super crazy about the the close in hand position. Maybe that'll change if I wrap the bars. I haven't done that yet. I've kind of been holding off on that. Um, I did do some riding yesterday out up out on the bars on the front, and that was okay. Um, but I kind of I kind of miss my uh, my uh, bar ends. Yeah, yeah. That I had on the other. I kind of I kind of like having those bar ends. I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of that more upright position. Yeah, it kind of puts you. Puts your it puts your wrists. It's almost like shooting a gun. The reason that shooting a gun is easier this way than it is this way is because you've got more stability yeah. in your wrist in this direction. And I think when you're riding, a lot of times, and there's vibration or movement, mm -hmm. there's a lot more stability this way when you're riding sometimes, and it's just a different position too. But. Sometimes I wish I kind of had a different hand position. So that's yeah. that's probably something I wish I had more of was different different hand positions. But yeah, I wouldn't change my story a whole bunch. I I think uh, now that I'm riding higher pressure, it's made me think more about some kind of suspension, right? Like a loft fork or something, um, just because. I don't know. You know, when we go and do those crazy rides like at Big Bend, yeah, I'll put the, I'll let the air down and stuff. But uh, I think I, I think I'll be riding with a firmer tire most of the time, and I think I, I think I would appreciate something that evens that out a little bit. Yeah. So that's something I'm looking at. Well, we were talking earlier about the shift question too. One of the questions I asked you was about how do you describe shifting with the roll off. And you came up with maybe a different, little bit of a different answer. Yeah, I thought about that more. And I think it's not necessarily that you have to pause in the motion. It's just you have to not put as much tension. So you can't be grinding on it. Because, you know, I think, 
I've been you know, noticing that more. I'm riding a lot of flat, and uh, I'm still moving m- much of the time. You just have to, you can't be, you can't be accelerating, I guess, is really the, 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 the issue. Um, and it which takes is, some getting used to. But. Which is really similar to a traditional setup when you think about it. Yeah, it's you just, just you just got to find it. that feel, that feel mm-hmm. of when to shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But I think uh, my my guess is, the end of the summer version of my Fargo is going to look different. I'm gonna I'm gonna cave. I'm not a man of self control. <laughs> I'm going to make some kind of a of an upgrade or switch, whether it be the fork, a seat, something, or the sun hub, maybe something something is gonna happen. Yeah, you want a dynamo, and you talked about maybe changing the seat. You've been running that seat for a while, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just see if a little more fitness drops some pounds, if that really kind of fixes some of the discomfort I have when I'm, when I'm uh, so escalating my miles. If not... It's a, it's a great question to pose out there to anyone else, maybe, as well. So the question we really have been talking about is, is you know, when you're... We're 49 years old. When you're 49 years old... Are you ever truly going to cycle 50 or more miles, let's just say, as a, as a number, and not experience some kind of discomfort, especially early in the season? Now, we talked about, you talked about last year. You rode a ton of miles, and you got to a point where you weren't having as much discomfort, pain, or, or anything, and you mentioned that that was number of miles, time in the saddle, um, you know, just that you were leaner then. You mm-hmm. know, you, just, you were pedaling so much, you, you leaned down. Mm-hmm. But now you're back, you after winter's gone by and, and all that stuff, and now we're back, and, and now you kind of, you, you sort of, after winter, maybe everybody feels this way, you sort of feel like you're kind of starting over. Starting over, yeah. Um, yeah. You got to get back in the saddle. And so the question is, is does, does anybody ever really feel like they're, you know, when you're, if you're 29, maybe that's a different story. But at 49, I wonder if it's ever possible to not have some aches and pains and it's just yeah. miles on the body. Yeah. And I don't know if a seat necessarily is going to change that, you know. <laughs> maybe maybe or, it's wishful thinking. <laughs> or a low fork or anything. Maybe it's just okay. This part is, of life. This is you how know? it is. Cause I know some mornings I get out of bed these days and I think, golly, man, I, I never remember my feet hurting like this or whatever it is. You, uh, know, you, pick, yeah. you pick the topic, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, certainly, certainly I think mileage on the body makes a little difference too. But... You know, cyclists, in, as a cyclist in general, we're always searching for the sort of like the magic, right? The sweet looking, spot. Looking for the, the, <laughs> the just tweaking, tweaking yeah. until you find the fit or what you think is the fit yeah. or the change or the adjustment or yeah. just a little bit better thing here, there, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like the quest for the perfect golf stroke. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just doesn't exist, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think uh, those are all my big ideas uh, today. I, I kind of wanted to expound on well we wanted to talk about the virus stuff just because everybody's going through it yeah we're all dealing with it but i want to encourage everybody to get out there and still ride and use your bike don't worry about i really think your risk is really low out there pedaling um and you know if you're super in a super risk category maybe you just don't want to do it that's fine but i think most folks are going to be fine to get out and do some riding enjoy this do enjoy the weather Use this as an opportunity to tweak your skills or get yourself in better shape or get ready for that upcoming tour and be prepared so when we get some of these things out of the way, we can actually get out there and, and ride more. Yeah, it's the ground running. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for watching. 
this will be loaded up on YouTube and also on all the podcast channels that we follow. And there's like, I don't know, 10 of them. I have no idea. Like Anchor FM does a great job of distributing these out to Apple, Google, and every other SoundCloud, every other known podcast thing out there. So we have had some people listening and, and seem to be enjoying it. So we'll try to do a better job of getting these out there, I guess, and giving something people to listen to, especially, especially during this time. It seems like I'm really bad right now about craving other content and looking for things to watch or listen to. Podcasts are great because while you're biking or cycling or riding, you can listen to other other people's talks and stuff as well. So they're really good off the grid kind of the thing you can do without having to worry about where you're at or what you're doing, cleaning the house or driving the car or riding the bike. So hope everybody's safe, doing well out there. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for watching.